this is Joseph Carlson, and this is episode 91 of Gaming with Grief, and I'm calling this episode, It's Not Me, It's DC. And you'll find out uh, why pretty quickly, uh, but let me do the uh, intro first. Uh, this uh, podcast will hit my website, www.gamingwithgrief.com, uh, Monday morning, 7 a.m., Go there, let me know what you think of the episode, uh, share me a like, uh, you know, leave a comment, uh, or you can go to Apple iTunes, subscribe to the podcast there. It's the Gaming with Grief podcast with Joseph Carlson. Uh, go there again, leave me a comment, a like, give me some stars, subscribe, let me know what you think of the show. You can also reach me at gwgpodfellows at gmail.com. Uh, you can, again, write me there, um, just say you like the show or, you know, ask me a question or anything like that, or I'm on Twitter, at Just Little Joe. Go there. Uh, leave me, drop a comment. I'm trying to get better about, um, you know, this whole thing, so uh, promoting it, things like that. So, um, yeah, my intro is called It's Not Me, It's DC, because uh, I'm here to tell you guys that I finished a Games as a Service. Now, I know what you're thinking, Joe. You never finish a Games as a Service. There's no way you can physically finish a games as a service, but I have finished a games as a service. Um, it's I finished the Division Two, hence the title. Uh, you know, it's not me; it's DC. Uh, the Division Two, if you don't know, is a third-person action game. Uh, I took some notes because I wanted to do some research and I wanted to make a big speech about why I'm not playing this game anymore. Um, but um, yeah, so the Division Two came out on. Um, it was released on March 15, 2019, uh, so it's been out for about two years, and it uh, it's a great game. I played the original Division. I really loved it, so, um, you know, I, uh, I, I spent tons of time doing it, um, but I really had uh, one. Uh, there's so many mixed feelings going to this episode because I don't, I'm not upset at the Division 2. Uh, they didn't do something to nerf a weapon that I liked. Um, I like the group that I ran with. Um, I had nothing but good, good, uh, good times with the game. But um, I did a lot of soul searching. I haven't played the game in a long time, and obviously, since the if you don't know the story of the division, basically a pandemic sweeps through in winter in in uh, New York in the first game that came out in 2016, and it wipes out most of the population. Uh, there's a group of basically federal agents called the division. They have orange watches that glow when they get activated. They have been covertly trained to basically be the last line to basically bring everything back together, whether that be, you know, make sure government works. Um, they only answer, it seems like to the president from what I can tell from my research. Uh, the first game again was released, um, in 2015 in March of 2015. And it took place in New York and it was a one-to-one recreation of Manhattan, uh, I really enjoyed the game. Again, I had the same squad of people with me, some friends, family. It was really fun. Um, I spent probably 200 hours playing uh, the Division Two. Last time I checked my playtime before I deleted it because I was getting ready to play the Division or the Division One. I had about 200 hours before I got to uh, the Division Two, so I deleted the Division One. I wanted to move on, uh, so my agent retired, I guess, uh, in New York. Hopefully, he's safe digitally. Um, but with the Division Two again, I played it for a lot of time, and I hadn't played it for a while. Um, but after uh, January sixth here in the United States, it was really weird to see people storm a Capitol. 
and you can call me a cuck, a liberal snowflake. I don't really care, but you know, the game hits a little bit different because the division two takes place in DC. It was a one-to-one recreation of DC, uh, in, um, in, um, August 23rd of 2018, Ubisoft released an article called, um, why massive chose Washington DC for the division two. It was written by Yusuf Magid, who's, uh, I think he does like, um, he does, uh, interviews and like deep dives and he's a host of some of Ubisoft's programs. Um, but he interviewed Julian Garrity, who was a creative director of the first division and the second division. And, um, they just talked about what went into planning for the game and why they chose DC as a place for the second game. Um, and uh, they worked with uh, Chloe, Chloe Hammond, who was their lead researcher. She worked with the narrative team. They had research trips to D.C. Uh, they believed it was, um, one, it's very iconic. Obviously, you have the Lincoln Memorial. You have, um, you know, the Washington Monument and, of course, the White House. Uh, if you remember, if you haven't played the first game, you have to come up with a base of operations when you set up in, in, in uh, New York. It is a post office which if you're from Manhattan, you probably know the post office and where it is because, they tr- again, they tried to do a one-to-one recreation of Manhattan. It was kind of neat. Uh, the more you did uh, and upgraded, parts of the base would be improved. I really liked that in the first game. You could actually see them. Uh, you know, it was it was uh, just a, a massive, like, burned-out post office uh, that had been under attack. You start um, fixing everything and giving them resources and then they're able to build it up and it's great. And then, uh, before I deleted the game, I logged out and, uh, in the back corner, they're actually playing a Christmas movie because the virus broke out over black Friday and it's the holidays. Uh, it was really good. And they, they took that same kind of one-to-one recreation and moved to DC and Julian said, you know, it's such an iconic city basically in the article. Uh, I recommend people go read it, but he basically says, you know, it's such an iconic city it really is, you know, the symbol of power in the United States and things like that. And um, when they went to D.C. with these research trips, uh, they actually talked to SWAT team, uh, fire departments, first responders. They wanted to know what would happen if there was a viral outbreak, um, how people would respond, what streets would get closed. Um, they came up with a fake agency. Uh, I think we have FEMA. They call it uh Sarah, I think of the game, the critical emergency response team or whatever. Um, and it was really neat to see that they took that one-to-one uh, thing, you know, that same care from the first game into the second game. Um, but as time went on, you know, I didn't play the game. I played the game. I didn't play the game. I played the game. There are seasons now. So you would participate. Um, Keener, Aaron Keener was like this rogue agent in the first game who uh, kind of eludes you during the first game and escapes to... Well, you don't know. He's kind of in the wind. And in the second game, they start up the storyline again through the seasons that um, they call it Warlords in New York. It was like the first big expansion. So you were in D.C. mostly, but now you go back to New York. And they've done, I think, Upper Manhattan, uh, if I can, if I remember it from my research. And they did like a one-to-one creation of that. So you, you basically, uh, story spoilers for a game about shooting people. You shoot Keener and kill him. And he basically starts, he... Uh, Jumpstarts a program of rogue agents that have like turned against the division. So he wasn't the only one. There was a group of people. Um, it is you were discovered that at uh, the end of that storyline that there was another agent who you thought was your friend in the first game named Fei Lao. She was an agent. She's actually working with the rogue agents 
and she is activated after Keener is killed uh, as like the head of these rogue agents. So the whole, all the seasons have kind of been you trying to figure out when you take her out, uh, when you go up against her. If you've played any Ubisoft game, these are like kind of common things where you have a main target and you basically work through a flow chart taking down lower lieutenants to get information. They call them investigations. Um, it was a little bit grindy. Um, I enjoy the specialization weapons in the game. You know, in the first game, you basically just had the weapons. You choose two weapons, uh, and well, three weapons, uh, two main weapons and a sidearm, like a pistol or a, a sawed-off shotgun. Uh, that was really fun. And you had your utility skills based on nanotech. You know, you could heal yourself or, um, I'm trying to think, turrets in the first game. Uh, in the second game, they added specialization weapons, and that was really cool. Uh, after you got to level 30, you had the chance to unlock a uh, 50 cal sniper rifle. A, um, I just call it the Thumper. Uh, they have a cool name for it, but it's basically just a canister uh, grenade launcher like you've seen in every 80s action movie. Uh, again, um, there's actually some video. I didn't write down the YouTube link, but there was a munitions expert, a former military guy, taking the real weapons in the Division Two out to the desert and testing them out, like would shoot a car in the middle of the desert with the 50 cal or use the demolitions expert, the thumper, like I talked about, would like hit, you know, a car or something to see what it did. There was a, a survivalist specialization. So you had a crossbow that shot an exploding tip bolt. Uh, that was really fun. And each one of these specializations came with different perks like survivability or support or healing. And you could really kind of build a team around these abilities. Hey, what are you going to do? Are you going to do, um, you know, are you going to do um, a sniper? Are you going to be long range, short range? They had a tank one where you had a shield that would come out uh, and then you would, um, you know, you would basically be a, a tank. Uh, and they added more later. So in one of the patches, I forget the season, but they added... Um, the uh, uh, the gunner. So you basically had a minigun that would collapse and you'd have a belt of ammo, you'd collect ammo um, and you just spray and pray basically. And then later they added the firewall, which is just a flamethrower, which everybody was hoping that that happened because the cleaners in the first game had a flamethrower and it was really annoying to be killed by a flamethrower not being able to have something in retaliation. So uh, they added a flamethrower. And so that's kind of how I ended the game because you can max out points and specializations to unlock more damage or more unique things like giving yourself cover while you're moving or giving the team a better crit chance if you're a sniper. Um, they tweaked those a little bit. They made a lot of great changes to the game. And um, I think I just want to take this opportunity and thank everyone at Massive for making such an amazing game. I mean, it was fun. I liked the gameplay. There was a few things that were sticky, but I'm not here to complain or nitpick. I think you guys did a great job. The, I've never been to D.C., but and I've never been to New York, but playing these games, those places felt real and lived in. And I think in a video game, that is something that's very hard to do because we can become jaded through whatever medium we like, whether it be movies or games or whatever. You know, yeah, I've seen a building. I've seen a sky rise. Yes, I've seen the Lincoln Memorial in movies and things like that. You know, I've seen the Washington Monument in movies. You always see aerial shots of D.C. Obviously, they show the Washington Monument, that massive spire. Uh, they always show the Capitol. Um, but they did a good thing of, like, making some of these points control points where people, uh, there was a chunk taken out of the Washington Memorial. Uh, you know, since no one's lived here, everything's overgrown and disgusting. And it is amazing that the team spent so much time 
crafting this world that on top of it feels like DC, but feels like a very just dirty, disgusting, post-apocalyptic world of DC. And I think that's where some of my... Um, I think that's one of the reasons why I'm leaving the game. Again, you could call me a liberal cuck or whatever, but it is strange to play that game in a pandemic. Um, as the pandemic went on, luckily, I'm considered essential. I work construction, uh, so I was off for a month, but then I was back to work. And it was a very weird logging in with friends playing a game where they actively tell you to wash your, you know, there's banners uh, telling you to wash your hands. They quarantine stuff. They've taped buildings off in the game, obviously, because people got sick with the virus in the game. And it was very difficult to play that uh, game. Uh, and even my friend commented, we were doing a, I want to say it was a DCD headquarters mission where you have to go after someone that is an asymptomatic carrier of a virus and they're trying to infect other people. So it became really difficult to play the game uh, in that environment. And my friend even asked, is this kind of weird? And I said, you do understand what we're doing. You know, we're going after someone that is trying to, you had to destroy these vats of blood because she was using her blood to basically make another strain of the virus and infect as many people as possible. So we had to destroy these vats of blood. Um, and that was just really weird. And that, that was the start of, that was months and months ago. And that was probably a year ago. And that was the start of me really thinking critical about the game and thinking like, I don't know if I want to keep playing this. And it's, again, it's nobody a massive fault. You guys did a great job making this game. Um, but I've never, you know, they always say uh, art imitates life or life imitates art. I mean, in, in this, it was, it's so strange how the game went from, um, you know, oh, this is kind of funny, a pandemic, ha, 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 to now, you know, we're in a pandemic. Um, thousands of people have lost their lives and we're playing a game where we're supposed to kind of like bring everything back together. So part of me was able to disconnect and say, okay, well, you know, it's just a game and I don't know. Uh, but then after January 6th, people stormed the Capitol and no, they were not armed insurgents. Um, in the game, the true sons have a mission, uh, in DC. They are uh, like a, like a quasi military organization, uh, with Anton Ridgeway is their leader, if I remember right. And he has taken over the Capitol building and basically said he is the rightful kind of military leader, uh, he doesn't work with the division. He turns against them. And they believe that they their version of America is the only version that needs to survive. So um, it is their stronghold. The Capitol building is their stronghold. It's on the east side of the map, if you're looking at the map. And uh, I just thought about it a lot. In fact, uh, when I was doing my mop-up, uh, because I did want to end this year on like a high note and end, because this season, I took the third season off, but this season... Uh, they introduced Fei Lao, who is the new main villain, like I said earlier. And it was amazing. Uh, they, you know, they're like, they, they called the season the end of Watch. Fei Lao was going to be the villain. Uh, you were going to go after her. And I just thought, this is amazing. If I pull this off and get done and play this game, and, uh, you know, this could be the end of me playing the game. And you don't really beat games as a service a lot, uh, but I, I wanted to finish it, you know. So um, that's what I did. I set out started taking down targets, you know, doing all the little like various tasks they tell you to do. You know, they you have to take out control points that the enemy factions have taken over, take them for the JTF, the Joint Task Force, which is friendlies. Uh, you have to take over the control points, then you can fast travel between them. Then there is a bounty of a lieutenant that, 
you know, is like a high value target in the area. And all these check a box to give you one dot in an investigation uh, to uh, get farther and farther to unlock Fei Lao. And then when each one of these dots, so say to kill one of the lieutenants, you need four dots completed. One dot would mean that you would have to take two control points in an area, take out a bounty in an area, in a district, or do a main mission usually, or two main missions. That would give you a dot. So you do that in various districts, you get all the dots, and then it unlocks the bounty for the lieutenant. Then you take the lieutenant out, and then you get an audio log of Fei Lao, or whoever the rogue leader was. I did other seasons where it was somebody else, and they would talk about their plan and what it meant, uh, you know, how important it was to do what they were doing. Um, but it was strange. I got to say, I, I took a screenshot of it. And this time, uh, there's a plane crash. Apparently, a faction tried to take out the president. He was in Air Force One. They shot it, and it went down right in front of the Capitol. So when you go to beat the game, well, beat the season, you have to take out one of the control points uh, that is directly, basically in the same area of the actual attack that took place uh, in the Capitol. It's in that same, if I'm looking at... I looked at footage of the Capitol attack on January 6th, and I looked at footage of the game. It appears to be in the same location. So that was a control point that I took over and got rid of people, um, and it was really strange. Uh, it, it just felt really weird to do that. And again, this is not Massively's fault. They did an amazing job creating a game that is fun. I think their cover system... Uh, I'm kind of all over the place. Um, I think their cover system they made for a Tom Clancy game is great. They would draw, literally draw a line between pieces of cover. If you held down A, you would see it displayed on the nearest piece of cover. The A would fill up like a bar around the A on the button you were hitting. I was playing on Xbox. And your character would run from cover to cover based on where that line went, where the line went. You would follow that path. So if it went over something, your guy would hop. Your character would hop or go under or spin around. And um, it was, again, it was really fun. But I thought, what an amazing experience to finish this game, take out Fei Lao, and then be done. Because this season, they, they I don't know if I said this already, but they titled every season. And this season was called End of Watch. And I thought, Wow. Imagine if I quit playing this game when my watch is ended. Uh, it's still line from Game of Thrones. I thought that would be amazing. And so that's what I did. Um, I'm not, if people want to play the game, you know, you be you. Like, again, I'm not, this is my decision. Uh, I, I hope everybody the best. I know that they did a crossover event with Resident Evil. I got some of those items. Really, it was just skins to make my weapons look rusty, which I guess was okay. But, um, I mean, not not overly cool enough for me to want to um, keep playing and keep getting those. Um, but again, uh, let me talk about all, what I'll go into now is I took notes. I talked about the, um, well, one thing, one last thing, uh, that interview with Julian Garrity, which I thought was really interesting, was that not only did they do all these research trips to DC to get the layout right, they used satellite data, but they actually went there and took maps and, you know, took maps and pictures and they used uh, satellite stuff. He said they also uh, made a map of DC in their timeline, you know, in the game for every month because uh, since in the first game the virus hit in uh, summer, uh, now the virus had burned out. It was uh, spring, it was six months later summer basically beginning of summer and so what they've done is they've taken uh and made a map in their you know uh, bible their story bible of every month of what happens to each monument in dc 
and how that affects each place. And I thought that is amazing, you know, that they did that. They took that time and um, they wanted to see how the story advanced with these people, how each faction would take over a part of a landmark or a part of the city, how that would progress each month of the game. And I think, again, uh, you know, hats off to um, hats off to massive. Uh, and I think they got help with Raven software help them uh so hats off to you guys for doing that um you did an amazing job uh really quickly i want to go over my five favorite missions and why i like them um i really like the american history museum uh you kind of go through american americana they build like fake houses they show like a train and then sooner or later you get through the vietnam war uh and like they make fake jungly areas the true sons are there you take them out um, you basically end in a parking structure, kind of like the exit that they barricaded off. Um, but it's this really interesting mission where you're kind of in a fake jungle area with like fake noises coming out. They pipe in helicopter noises. The True Sun set up a turret near the helicopter. And it, it atmospherically, it's amazing. You know, you're going through these parts of Americana, these trains, and it gets more and more. Um, intense as it goes on. And I really, that's one of my favorite missions I like a lot. Um, the other favorite one I like is the space admin uh, headquarters mission. Um, there's a lot of underneath labs I remember in this one. And um, you go from lab to lab. You're trying to get something to help your, I believe help your satellite data um, like with the shade tech in the game. And it really has this weird like quasi Star Wars vibes so you're going through these labs underneath. You're, there's spacesuits. There's like a lunar, like parts all over. There's satellite parts, um, and I think it is the I'm trying to think of what faction took it over. Um, I want to say it was the outcasts. Uh, they took it over. They're the ones that follow that asymptomatic carrot I talked about earlier. <clears throat> Excuse me. They um, I don't know. It was really good. I, I liked it. It was this weird Star Wars vibe uh, that there was there. Um, I really like the federal emergency bunker. Uh, that was a great mission. You literally go underground and have to go through these places. And I couldn't find in research if they made this up or if it was real. But, like, there's a library down there. There's office buildings. It does have that feeling like, like we've seen in survival movies of, hey, everything uh, is going to, to hell. We need to find a place to have everybody keep working to keep the government going. Uh, you end the mission in this underground control console, like, concrete area uh before that you pass through these office rooms that look like from the 50s with file folders like they don't have a lot of computer setups there i really really love that i love the atmosphere you're pushing out these massive iron doors and it's really claustrophobic and i just i just really like that mission i thought it was really nicely designed um i really liked uh lincoln memorial and uh i mean for obvious reasons you can actually read the text, I mean, it's online, but there's actual, you know, um, Lincoln's speech. I think it's a Gettysburg Address. Um, I'm some his, historian's probably yelling into the mic into his uh, car stereo right now, but it's on either side of the Lincoln Memorial, and you can go up before, you, like, kind of like I don't know, right after you start the mission, you take out a group of True Sons, and you can go up and actually read his speech. They did a good job. I'm I'm playing on a an old Xbox uh, S. Uh, Xbox One S, and um, you know it doesn't run great, but you can you can read 
uh, Lincoln's speech on the walls. And I thought that was really amazing that they, they did such a good job. You obviously see the statue of Lincoln. Uh, it's really moving. And again, to see his speech on the wall and be able to read that, it's really great. And the last mention, mission I'll mention is the uh, when you go after Keener, uh, the Liberty Island uh, mission, which is when you go back to New York. And there's just something about it. You're on a ferry. Uh, you're back to New York. Um, it's really wide open spaces. I don't know if that's a park or like a ferry terminal or how made up that is. Again, I couldn't really find that in my research. But there's this really crazy atmosphere of like, oh, you're at a ferry terminal and this ferry is overturned and then you kind of snake up through these other ferries and it's just really well done. And I really like it. And um, I think kind of that's what I'm thinking of all this. Like I'm stepping away from the game, but um, I think I want to say a month ago, Massive announced with uh, Lucasfilm Games that they are developing a Star Wars game. And that's amazing. And if they take this level of detail and create a world that feels as lived in uh, with Star Wars, I mean, I'm going to be there day one. You know, and uh, I cannot wait to do that. And uh, I think I just want to end this by saying, um, again, thank you, Massive, and everybody that worked on the game. Uh, thanks, Ubisoft. Uh, I had tons of good time. I I did the uh, the math. I my agent was in the field for 15 days and 10 hours, which, if my math is correct, that's about 370 hours. And so, you can't say I didn't put in the time. Uh, but again, everybody there did an amazing job. You can actually see how hard they work just, you know, with the, the things they've done to make everything lived in the places look real. Like I said in the beginning, it feels like a real lived in place. And for that massive, thank you very much. But my agent is going to retire. I don't know how Hawaii is doing, but I hope my guy can get a plane over to Hawaii and just live out the rest of his days, uh, drinking, um, I don't know, just drinking juice on a beach or something. I don't know. But thank you, Massive. Thank you so much for making a game that's great, and I had fun playing. But I'm going to stop playing. And again, if you guys, when you guys work on that Star Wars game, when it's released, I'll be there day one, just, uh, you know, ready to play and ready to be whatever you have ready for that universe. So, Yep, uh, not really a downer episode, but a little more somber, I guess. I don't know. Um, but I think, yeah, that's what it is. I'm done with The Division 2. And, and and let me say this, too. It is it is a good feeling. Like, there's so many games out there, so many games um, that you could play. And I really thought about this a lot, you know. Uh, the grief of what happened on the 6th of January, no matter what your political affiliation, I mean, that's a very shocking thing that happened. And... The idea that, like, you know, we're different now. Uh, for good or better, America is different. And uh, to have a game so reflect that, uh, you know, not through a fault of its own, just existing, uh, is, I don't, I can't think of another game that kind of fell into history uh, as much as this game did. And uh, it is just amazing and frightening at the same time. And... Uh, I mean, it's a testament to how uh, great the game is that when you go to those places uh, like the Capitol building or the White House, which is your base of operations in the second game, uh, what you feel and how I feel differently, uh, you know, playing it. And so 
you know, that's why I wanted to talk about this game on this episode and with the podcast is I do feel sad, uh, but also happy to move on. Um, and again, it's no fault of anybody at Massive. You guys did an amazing job. Uh, the only thing I wish is, this is just me being selfish, um, you know, when the second game came out, I saw some people that I follow on Twitter that are part of the games press. They were given basically black dossiers of their agent. And so they made a file with a photo of the agent and talked about hours played and like how many people they took out. And it was like a field report of an agent. And uh, I don't know if there's a way to get that. I would like to definitely see that. So I could finally say, this is my agent. This is how much time I spent. This is what I did. Here's the definitive record of my agent's time in DC. Uh, That would be pretty cool. But uh, I'm probably not going to get it. So thank you again, Massive. Thanks, everybody who worked on the game. Thank you, Ubisoft. And I just want to thank my squad, too. I had tons of good time uh, playing with everybody. But I'm going to try to pick a different game. I don't know what it is now. But I do, you know, a lot of people pointed out a lot of these games are not something that it's not, um, it's not so much about the game, especially when you spend 300 hours. It's more about hanging out with people and just having a good time. And so in the next couple of week, I'll, uh, weeks, I'll kind of sit down and decide, uh, what is the game I want to play next? Uh, how will I reflect on it? You know, I do play games that have to do with grief, uh, obviously for the podcast. That's the whole point of the podcast. But I also want to have like relaxing games. And the division for a while was that game where I relaxed, kicked back, didn't think about life. But as time has gone on, as, as I've said earlier, it fell backwards into history in a weird way uh, that I didn't think was possible. And I'm I'm going to step away. But Again, I spent 360 hours plus, had an amazing time. The people at Massively did an amazing job, and thank you. And uh, I'll probably see my squad on, and uh, I think that's it for this week, guys. So, um, you know, uh, I'm recording this on Valentine's Day, so happy Valentine's Day to everybody. Um, Just a reminder, this podcast will hit my website, www.gamewithgrief.com, Monday morning, 7 a.m. Leave a comment there. Let me know what you think. Or you can go to iTunes, subscribe to the podcast there. Uh, it's the Gaming with you, the Gaming with Grief podcast with Joseph Carlson. It's got my name. It's a black uh, background. Um, give me some likes, some subscribes, uh, things like that. Or uh, you know, go to uh, gwgpodfellows at gmail.com. Drop me a line. Let me know what you think of the show. And I'm on Twitter at Just Little Joe. Uh, go there, uh, drop me a line, let me know what you think of the show or just what you thought of the episode. Uh, let me know how I can improve. I'm trying to do better. Um, I'm only on episode 91. I hope I got, you know, a lot more. So, um, yeah, I think that's it, guys. So be safe out there, and I will talk to you guys next week.